and I see reppin' New York City Live and direct, cause he always come correct When he does an interview, it makes the streets all connect It stimulates the brain, the immobile device And what smash like the Hulk when he claps you with advice It's all about the news when he drops and beats home So pay close attention, shit's about to explode Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from the Upper West Side, New York City, where we blow up the news on a verbal scale. My name is Ethan Guzman, and my guest today, he's a digital broadcaster. He's been on a lot of shows, still is on a lot of shows. He has his own show called The Knapsack Files. He's on the Schmoes No Movie Show and the Jedi Alliance Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, let me give it up for the one and only, the pit boss, Mr. Ken Knapsack. Ken, how you doing? Oh, how about this? How about coffee? How does that sound? <laughs> Perfect. You know, Perfect. I, I think, I don't know how they say it in L.A. Is it coffee or is it coffee? Or I, I, <laughs> something like I think that. you say it the right way. Oh, okay, okay. I think I say it aggressively. I think a lot of people say, oh my God, with your New York accent, you just sound like you're pissed at the world or something. I'm like, no, that's just how we normally are. We're running to the train station and, you know, we're stuck with people and you have homeless people on the train and, you know, trying to get a seat. So it's just, it's just hectic. How's everything with you? Oh, man, that's great, man. I'm so happy to be here. You've been a great uh, supporter of all the shows I do, so I'm happy to spend some time with you here on a beautiful Sunday afternoon out here in L.A., I know, definitely, definitely appreciate it, man. Um, first of all, let me just see, um, how did you get in start? How you get started involved in the whole digital, you know, media podcasting? How did that all start for you? Yeah, well, I, I had started in uh, radio 20 years ago. That was actually when my career started. I was a radio DJ, had a morning show on a rock radio station in Pismo Beach, California. Um, and then I got out of it, and I moved to L.A., and... Um, I went into comedy, and I did sketch comedy, stand-up comedy, and all that stuff for years, and was a screenwriter and all that kind of stuff. But secretly, I always, my favorite job was radio mm-hmm. and broadcasting. So when podcasting started to come about, i got to be honest, I looked down on it a little bit. I didn't think it was the same thing, and then I, I was in radio, the real thing, and all these people podcasting in their basements, I just didn't get it. <laughs> and it it wasn't until, uh, really, uh, 2012, or actually 2011, when Christian Harloff and Mark Ellis started launching their Schmozo podcast, that I started listening to theirs and started, started thinking that was on a couple of their episodes, and I started to have fun with it. And then when they moved to the Toad Hop Network Studios, uh, first over at Universal Studios and then later on in the heart of Hollywood, I went to those shows, and it was uh, it was like radio. It was set up like radio. It felt like radio. It was live, and that, to me, was the same thing. So it started igniting my passion for digital broadcasting while reigniting my passion for talking in the microphone. And I turned away from comedy. I stopped doing stand-up. I stopped doing sketch comedy years ago, and actually... Uh, as of this year, stop writing. Um, I'm fully focused on the digital broadcasting world right now. And it's fun. Well, you had a lot um, passion for, um, you know, um, acting and screenwriting and everything. What was it about podcasting that made you forget about everything else and started being totally committed to this? It, it's, you know, uh, it, I, I was good at a lot of things, but not a master at one. And I'm not saying I'm a master at digital broadcasting, but at some point you just kind of, especially as you get older in this town, when everyone's trying to come up with an angle to succeed, 
I feel you just kind of have to find the one thing you love the most, the one thing that you know you're good at, um, or maybe better at than the other things that you do, and focus on it. it it's the Colin Cowherd calls it picking a lane, <laughs> and and that, that's what I like to do. I, I finally picked the lane, and uh, start producing the Schmozno podcast, doing the movie news on the show, all that kind of stuff. All the things you mentioned up top, which is, which is uh, I appreciate you, you mentioning and supporting those endeavors, but you know they're fun little things I do. But now it finally has translated into a into a full time gig with uh, digital broadcasting and digital uh, uh, broadcasts with the, with screen junkies over at Defy Media. Yeah. Um, and though that's a lot of video related stuff, but it's still kind of the same realm to me. Talking in the microphone. Which one, you know, I always wanted to ask you this, which one do you prefer more? Do you prefer the more intimate knapsack files, or it doesn't matter, or is it all the same to you when you're on Schmoes No Movie Show? Is it all the same to you, or? It's not all the same, but they're all very different animals mm -hmm. in the same kingdom. Yeah. Um, but the, the thing I may, may enjoy the most is the, the intimate one-on-one -on -one knapsack files interviews. Um, I, as you probably know, I haven't had a chance to do as much of them this year as I wanted to, um, and uh, I've got I've got some new gear coming that's going to make it more possible for me to record on the go, which is uh, was the key. I have a studio set up here at my house, mm -hmm. and for a while it was very easy to get people to come on over and sit down for hour plus interviews, but it's become a little harder to do that, and so that's why I kind of dropped off. I probably enjoy those the most, just getting to talk and know people because you can find stories in each person's lives that will help and inspire others and help clarify and comfort others and that's what I like doing. Those where I, I think I get the most joy out of those ones. Yeah, preferably I love you in those in, in the Knapsack Files. You know, you're great in the Schmoes No Movie Show, but you know, I think you're more like a, a male version of Oprah, but without the tears. You know, you're really, you know, you, you get into the you get into the soul and the nitty gritty of people. So that's really good. I, I appreciate that. And, and, and if you look under your chair, you'll find a free copy of my book. Oh my God! I'm gonna start reading right now. <laughs> Um, um, in the Schmoes No Movie Show, it's like, it's a whole, like, everyone is essential in that part of the show, um, especially from you, you know, you haven't been on in a bit, but especially from you to Jate to everybody, you know, it seems like one big happy family, is it like, you know, the way it is that we see on the net, is it like that? Now, if, if I answer that question honestly, you, yeah. you, I might break, I might break some dreams. Now, we, uh... <laughs> We are absolutely a big happy family. That doesn't mean families don't fight every now and then. And, and uh, we we are brothers and sisters in arms, and we go through a lot of uh, pressure-filled moments trying to get the entertainment out to you guys. But uh, those are my friends, and and um, uh, no matter what job I'm working, uh, when I leave it to run over to the Schmoes No Movie Show, um, it's I, I'm not I'm not going over there first to be on a show. I'm going there first to go see my friends, and that's probably the same for everyone in that room and studio, and that's what you guys are seeing out there when you watch the show. Yeah, it's amazing. Like you know the you know you you guys are like osmosis. You're you all gel well together. Um um. Yeah. Also, are, are you a really big big fan of movies as well as just just like everybody else? Um, that's funny. That, that always comes up. Uh, <laughs> I am I am a big fan of movies, and there's always been this reputation that I uh, that I help kind of put out there on the show that I don't watch a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. Um, but that that that's 
true. I don't watch a lot of movies I, uh, simply because I just don't have the time. Um, but also, uh, it's a long story, but if, when I was in stand-up comedy, I didn't go watch comedy shows. When I was in professional wrestling, I didn't go watch a lot of wrestling shows, not counting the ones on TV. So it would make sense to me just who I am. When I'm in the movie entertainment business, uh, the, 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 music, the covering the movies, um, I don't have a lot of time or interest to go see the movie. It's kind of a weird thing, um, but I'm working on it. And But I do love movies, and they really, really move me. They really, really speak to me. Um, so it's kind of unfortunate that this, the joke on the show is that I don't watch more like movies. That's not 100% true. I still haven't seen Gremlins, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, how about any, um, you're a fan of television shows as well, right? Or, you know, you don't keep up with television shows. I do, I do. There's so many things out there, but I absolutely believe we are in a golden age of TV. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I love what's going on out there in TV land. I think the better stuff's going on um, simply because it's um, the, the, the freedom that a lot of people have produced television content or content on the internet, uh, I think it's just uh, way better than what's going on, um, um, uh, way better than what's going on in movies, only because in movies I think there's a lot more, uh, it's a company, it's corporations, it's all that kind of thing, making, getting behind these movies, and and, and that just, uh, um, that's just uh, a fortunate side effect of business, but, uh, um, TV is kind of more exciting to me right now. There's more ability to tell the stories you want to tell. Also, you was involved in um, professional wrestling in the independent scene. Um, how did Ken Napsok get involved in wrestling? Um, well, I'll tell you, there's a full, there's a, I just did an interview that's pretty cool, uh, and uh, there's a podcast channel called the Wrestling Viewpoint Network. Uh, it's something that I produce on the side every now and then. It's not my main endeavor. Okay. But I just interviewed by, by Mark Donica, who has a show called The Gimmick Podcast, and uh, it's now going to be rebroadcast on iTunes on that. And um, I go into detail in it, but to, to summarize, um, uh, I, professional wrestling has always been a love of mine since the 80s, uh, early 80s. I, I was raised in the golden era of the expansion of the business. Um, the Hogan era, mm-hmm. and uh, um, look, I, I wanted to be a lot of things growing up. I wanted to be a baseball player, I wanted to be a movie director, I wanted to be a police officer, and I wanted to be a professional wrestling manager. Wow. And that is the only only goal and dream of mine that ever came true is I became a professional wrestling manager. I just knew I wasn't athletic enough to be a wrestler. <laughs> um, so eventually I did uh, I did wrestle in a match, which was, which was great, but... Um, so I started in uh, 2001 with a company called Millennium Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was run by a friend of mine. He's actually uh, the man I call my brother, uh, Paul Ventimiglia, who is, uh, wrestles as Lethal Logan X. And it was his company. He was a 20-year-old kid. He had this company. And our roster included people like Samoa Joe, Chris Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, Adam Pierce, Spanky, a.k.a. Brian Kendrick. Uh, we had Super Dragon, Low-Key. Uh, Messiah, uh, all these guys, and our champion was a, a guy, the late great Cincinnati Red, who passed away last year. Uh, he was D-Man in SoCal at the time. Uh, and that was, that's where I started, was those guys. I managed a guy named Phenomenal Phil Lander, who was a big regular at a, uh, uh at an independent, uh, company called XPW, which was big in the late 90s, a 
competitor actually at one point uh, to maybe take over for ECW and that kind of like thing. Um, so that's where I began. I, I did a year there and then the federation closed because my friend Paul uh, left wrestling to become a police officer, which he's still to this day is a, a sex crimes detective. Wow. And um, um, we ended. I thought that was it. I thought I had a little year in professional wrestling and it was it was fun, and I didn't think I'd ever really do it again. I didn't have uh, that much of an interest to do again. I thought I'd kind of lived it. And then in 2010, long story, but in 2010, Millennium Plus, uh, Pro Wrestling came back. Uh, our first show featured Mr. Rowdy Rowdy Piper, the late great Mr. Wow. Piper. Wow. Um, and we were back. We were supposed to be a one-time charity event. We had so much fun. We did four years. We had a lot of guys wrestle for us. Uh, again, uh, Davey Richards, Akira Tazawa, Sonny uh, came in, managed Bruce, the Barber Beefcake, uh, and a lot of local guys here in L.A. Uh, Ryan Taylor, Joey Ryan, uh, uh, Hobo, a lot of guys like that. And I did four years. I had a different character, um, different gimmick, and I uh, had fun with that. I, uh, a manager named Tex Tunney, who was the last great scion of the Southern Promoters, <laughs> and uh, had, a, had a great feud with, with Logan X, and it, and it ended with us in a ring in a hardcore match. And I got to go through a table, and I got to be caned, and I got to... To get hit in the head with a trash can and whipped and all this good fun stuff, man. All the good, healthy things we should do. Wow, that sounds like a great bucket list, man. I would love to get hit in the can with a trash can. <laughs> How has wrestling changed your life, and what's so special about the sport to you? Um, I'll tell you what, man. All of life's lessons can be learned from professional wrestling. Uh, I've always said that life is like professional wrestling. Sometimes the good guys win, sometimes the bad guys win, but most of the time, the referee gets knocked out and all hell breaks loose. That is life. <laughs> I like that and analogy. <laughs> you, yeah, put it on a t-shirt, man. And, and I'll tell you, look, pro wrestling, I've got friends that I can talk about serious life issues and relationship issues or stuff. I can talk to them in a complete, uh, using nothing but pro wrestling terms. And we know what each other is telling each other. And uh, wrestling is just, it's in my blood, it's in my heart. I've got, I've moved past the point where I need to try to explain it to people who don't know it and love it. And I know you know and love it. Um, I just, I just love, I accept it. I don't try to sell it to anybody. If you don't get it, you don't get it. Uh, but it is, it is the purest form of storytelling. It is a pure form of entertainment. It is simple. It is cheesy. It is wild. It is big. And it is fun. And I love it. I'll never stop watching professional wrestling. Amen to that, brother, because I'm still the same way. I've been loving it since I was a child, and I still love it to this day. And, you know, you know, of course, fans and, you know, we're fans and we're viewers. We're going to complain here and there, but, you know, it's, sure. it, it still has me at my heart, you know. So that's, like, one of my one of my passions. I love wrestling. Absolutely. Who's your, who's your guy? Who's your all-time favorite wrestler? My all-time favorite wrestler? Um, do I have to just pick just one? Okay, you can give me three. All right, sweet. Um, Ric Flair... Um, Ultimate Warrior, and Brett the Hitman Hart. Hey, that's good, man. I like that. That's my era, too. Hitman's one of my favorites. I love Flair. And you know what? Warrior, I love Warrior. I, I, I forget how much I loved him when his unfortunate passing away last year. I, I, I just forgot how much I loved the guy. 
Yeah. And he wasn't the best worker. He didn't need to be. He was he was energy. Yeah. He was he was excitement, man, and, and Warrior's definitely of my era and I love Warrior. Yeah, he was the original guy who made matches quick, you know, before the Goldbergs and everything like that. Warrior came in, did what he had to do, and leave, you know? And, you know, as a kid, you see that. He's like a running superhero. He got the paint, he got the tassels, he got the matching tights. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great, man. Um, what other sports or hobbies do you have interest in? Uh, I, I'm a big baseball guy, man. Uh, I grew up in California. This is going to be weird, man. I grew up in California. I have never set foot in New York. What? I am a lifelong, I, I'm a lifelong New York Yankee fan. Wait a minute. You've never, you, you've never been to the old Yankee Stadium? Oh my God. I've never been to the old Yankee Stadium. I've never been in New York. I've never, <sighs> but I, I, I grew up a passion, and still to this day, I'm a passionate New York Yankee fan. Uh, steeped in their history, I've studied their history. I've uh, it is my team and it's my franchise. Um, but it's going to be corrected soon. I'll be going to New York for Spring Junkies, the New York Comic Con, in just a couple weeks. So uh, uh, maybe I can share uh, a slice of pizza with you, my friend. Oh, definitely, I'll take you to some good places. If we could get some rice pudding at um, Rice to Riches, get all types of rice pudding and, think that, and Cat's Deli. You definitely got to try Cat's Deli. Um, but, well, uh, yeah. well, um, is there any particular favorite food that you like? Especially in L.A., you know, L.A., they have, you know, there's, like, you know, Mexican, there's so many styles. Any particular yeah. brand of food you like? You, you said it right there, man, Mexican food. <laughs> Mexican? Uh, what, what, yeah, what is basically California Mexican food, uh, <laughs> Americanized Mexican food. Um, uh, I think it's Salvadorian food, too. My, uh, I, I had a relationship with a Salvadorian girl for four years, and uh, that was some damn good food. <laughs> um, so, and I mean that, I mean that literally, um, and, uh, it was, yeah, I love that, I do love to eat, man, I, the weight has always been a struggle with me because I just love to eat, I love a good deli sandwich, you mentioned deli, mm -hmm. a deli sandwich, man, yeah. you could you could get my heart pounding with a deli sandwich, I love it. <laughs> Nothing beats a deli sandwich, especially when they stack on the ham, the, you know, corned beef or whatever, whatever uh, toppings you uh, love. Oh, <laughs> uh, you, you just, now you're just hitting on me, man. This is great. I love it. I love it. Um, um, Ken, what are, um, um, how are your fans like? What are your fans like when they see you? Like, you know, because I know you guys have a huge following. Like, what is it like? Yeah, it's, you know, it's weird to me. It's great. First of all, overall, nothing but greatness uh, from the fans. We, we, we love you guys, and and you make us, and, and we never forget that. Um, it's weird for me, man, to, to have someone come up to you and shake your hand and ask for a picture. It, it's an awesome feeling, but it's surreal. It's like I don't get it. I'm just this this <laughs> lonely dude in an apartment who talks in a microphone, and um, so it's kind of weird. But everyone's been great in person. Online, it can be a little different. Um, fandom online is a weird thing, and, and um, uh, I've had some negative experiences online. Oh, wow. Um, but, yeah, you know, YouTube comments in general, but just oh. the people go at you. Um, the the anonymity of, uh, if I could say the word, of YouTube and just the internet in general just kind of creates, um, just kind of creates uh, a, a, an environment where people feel they can say or, or do a lot of things to you um, and not be not face repercussions. So that changes the way of fandom. But overall, it's great. Uh, but in person, when we go to conventions, we're gonna as as a schmo team going to be a kamikaze here in November in LA. 
Um, what is your most memorable moment on the show? Or, or any show you've been a part of, you know, all the shows you are now? Um, you know, I mean, it's just, it, I, we get asked that a lot. I wish I, I probably should come up with a list. <laughs> um, you know, Roddy Piper, the late great Piper coming on our show, slapping our intern was a great moment. Oh, yeah, that was excellent. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but for me, the moments that stand out are, are it's funny, they don't stand out. It's just the collection of moments where things unplanned happen, or we just start laughing. You know, it, it, it's slow as a job. It, it's a show we put on every week. But sometimes, so sometimes you can forget that, or, or I can forget that, that Christian and, and Mark are friends of mine that I grew up in comedy with. So sometimes there's those moments where we'll make each other laugh. And it's those real moments where you can tell Christian's not breaking character, but he's just, he is laughing from his gut. Or when I do the news and Alice starts laughing, and and it's really a hard cut wrench and laugh. Like, those are the moments I love on the show because I love that we can create those moments together. And it just so happens that people get to watch and share it with us. Those are the moments I love. Gotcha. Um, I know you was working for a couple of years in security, and I know you recently left your job. How yeah. was was that? You know, leaving like like a safety net and leaving job security. How was that like? And then to going to the unknown. Scary, scary man. I I I got stuck in a day job, and that's the interesting. Look, I, I was thankful to have a job. Uh, when mm-hmm. a lot a lot of years, friends of mine in in the industry didn't. They were struggling for job. I, I started, it was a day job, I moved to L.A., I mm-hmm. uh, got a job as, the, as a security officer, and people can make all the jokes they want about it, but it's a pretty serious job at times, and I did it, and, and then I just started getting promoted, and then and then other things in my career didn't take off, my entertainment career didn't take off like they did, and I never stopped, but uh, I continued to work in this job, and I became a, a security director, and I ran, um, there's a... a, a a place in L.A. called the original Los Angeles Farmer's Market, which is uh, next door to the Grove. You might have even heard of the Grove. Mm-hmm. People all over the world have heard of the Grove, the shopping center. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran that for four years, and then I went back to the place I started to work at, which is the, the Northridge Fashion Center, which was the mall that was infamously destroyed in the 1994 Northridge quake. Um, and I worked there for seven years as a security director, running the place, and... Um, Almost anyone who is important and close to my life has come from that job, so it's easy for me to say, well, that was my day job, and I hated it, and I hated that I worked there for 17 years, but it kept me afloat. I never wanted for food or shelter. I had I had health insurance, what a lot of other people don't, and I met very, very important people in my life. I got into pro wrestling because of that job, that event all. Wow. Um, two two relationships came out of that job uh, with women that uh, though I'm no longer with mean the world to me. Mm-hmm. Um, best best friends. Um, one of my friends uh, who was a LAPD officer working alongside me is now a senator, uh, Steve Knight. 
Um, um, some of my friends are, are, are now on the LAPD SWAT team. Like, I've, well, I've met everyone from that job who's important and close to me and, and met some spectacular, wonderful, interesting people. So the life lesson is never, it's like Yoda, man. Never, you, you keep your mind on where you are. You know, we always, we always look to the future with these dreams, but you should have goals, not dreams. Mm -hmm. So what happened is that I get this job at Screen Junkies, and, and I can't talk about it too in detail what we're working on, but we got something big coming, and, and if you can get to the New York Comic Con, my friend, get there, just the big news coming. Um, but that job, it was scary. It was a leap of faith. Uh, it's one of the rare moments I'll give myself some credit and say I took I took a risk to do something, and it was scary, and nothing short of that, and the life lesson for, for, for me and, and for everyone there is every once in a while you got to shake things up and uh, and go for it. Uh, but then the flip side of that is oh, I get a lot of people now from Schmoes who are very happy that I'm at this job at Screen Junkies and they say, you must be so happy you're chasing your dreams. And yeah, I am happy, but it's hard work. And I don't want people to underestimate what it takes to uh, work-wise to make your goals come true. Uh, I'm working my ass off right now, probably harder than I ever have before. And it's all worth it. It's all great. Um, but that's the reality, man. This business, it is a job. And it, it, and you have to treat it as such if you want to get the full enjoyment and full growth and reach your full potential, man. And, and that's what it's been like. That's what it's been for the last couple months. Well, um, I, I understand how you say, you know, you have to treat it like a job, but, you know, it, it's something you're really passionate about. I'm saying, was you really passionate about security? Because I'm saying you had the job for a long time, so you have to have some kind of passion about it, right? Um, no, I, I wasn't, <laughs> but, um, but there were some important things that I did, man. And, and again, like I say, you, you can uh, take all the uh, Kevin James, uh, Paul Hort movies and make fun of that industry. I get it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I dealt with some serious things, man. People dying. I've been in fights. I've been in, uh, you know, it's not shoplifting we're dealing with. It's serious things. And so I, I didn't, well, I didn't have the passion for the job. I did, um, like, I did take it seriously and like what I did with it. And, um, and I, that I wouldn't change. That I had a lot of fun with. Uh, but I have a lot more passion for what I'm doing now. Uh, with screen junkies and, and just digital broadcasting, and even though it's work, don't get me wrong, it's work, but it's fun. It's very fun. What is Ken Knapsack's personal model in life? Like, what is your model that you go by? You know, man, I I, uh, I am a gut-based person who uh, just wants to go around and doing the best I can. Be be concerned about others. Uh, keep others' thoughts in mind. I don't care if you disagree with me. I will find the common goal, goal, or the or the common core of who we are as people, and we all have to get along. So I take that in everything I do, whether it be work, uh, personal life. I'm usually the guy in the middle who bridges the gaps between uh, different uh, viewpoints and different cultures and different backgrounds. Uh, uh, and that's how I approach it, man. Uh, I don't. I don't, uh, I work hard to get what I want, but I won't, I won't kill anyone else to do it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of my, that's kind of my goal, it's kind of where I approach life. Sweet. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty simple and I'm pretty stupid. I just want to get through each day, um, uh, 
doing the best I can. Also, that's the acronym of KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, I want to go back to the wrestling thing. I just want your opinion on this. Um, what do you think about the NXT women's division and how you feel about women's women's wrestling in general? You want to talk about passion? That is where I have a lot of passion. It's women's wrestling. And, and women's wrestling on a big scale. Um, it is... Uh, I didn't watch... It's weird to say. I didn't watch a ton of wrestling during the Attitude Era. Uh, I was not a huge fan of it. Uh, There's a lot of great things in it and great people at the top of their game. But uh, the, the brawn panties matches and all that kind of stuff, believe it or not, I am a red-blooded American male who loves looking at beautiful women. Believe you and me. But <laughs> it didn't capture my interest as much as watching Lita and Trish or Ivory uh, or some of the other women at the time, Mickey James in her early run. I love those matches, and I want the women's matches to count, because to me, good women wrestlers are just good wrestlers. And it is it is imperative to me that a full, well-rounded wrestling company has uh, the, the women at the top of their game and let them shine. And taking models and turning them into wrestlers, look, that is always going to be the case. That is always going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, men and men and women. The WWE is going to scout an ex-football player or a Russian weightlifter, and they're going to try to teach him to bump. And that's always been the case. That is not new. That is a time-honored tradition of wrestling. Yeah. Find a big, weird, weird-looking dude and teach him how to wrestle. <laughs> Same with women. Find a beautiful woman who's a fitness model with some extensions in her hair and let's teach her to bump. Yep. It's always going to happen. But what we have now in NXT, what we have coming up now to the, into the Fed, are, are, are wrestlers who just happen to be women. And I love Paige is my favorite wrestler right now. I yeah. love watching Paige work. Um, I love Becky Lynch. Charlotte is off to a great start. Uh, I even like the Bellas. Uh, I like their growth. Nikki Bella has grown as a wrestler, and, and I think she's important in that division. She's important to be the big face of it and the heel that's driving it. I love it, man, and I love that Triple H is, uh, is letting this happen down at NXT. Yeah. That Sasha Banks versus Bayley match at the Brooklyn TakeOver was one of the best wrestling matches in 10 to 15 years that I witnessed. Yeah, it's just a lot of emotion. So that's, I, I feel strongly about it, man. Do you feel that the Total Diva show has helped women's wrestling, or you think it hinders it, or what, what's your opinion? You know that? what, that, that, that's a great question. I actually think it helps. Mm-hmm. Um, does it distract? Sure. Does it make a star out of Eva Marie before she's ready to wrestle? Yes. Yeah. But as long as, look, I'm a big Natty Nightheart fan, and Total Divas right now, and for the last couple of years, has been one of the only places I can consistently see her. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the sh- yeah. it, it, it's, shame. it's a shame. She, she should be at the top of the Divas revolution as well. But she is, and that's fine. But, um, I, you know, I just, uh, I get what people wouldn't like Total Divas. I watched the first season or two. I haven't really watched much this year, which is weird because now Paige is one of the, the, the leaders on it. Yeah. But, as long as they're getting airtime and it's getting new eyes on the wrestling, I don't see it as a horribly bad thing. I don't necessarily see it as a great thing, but I don't think it's a bad thing. Two more questions for you, Kenny, before I let you go. Um, Star yeah. Wars, do you have any scoops on Star Wars? And what's your what's your opinion about The Force Awakens? I know we hear it all the time, but I just want to get your one-on-one opinion yeah. on Star Wars. Absolutely, man. I think, I think uh, we are in store for something great. 
Um, is it a little bit of wishful thinking on my part? Yep, but I, I am all in on this hope of, of a good Star Wars, and I think we're getting it. Um, I love what's going on. It's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. There's some things I, uh, hey, you know, there's not, I think we're a little bit over-marketed at this point. I think it's, we're, we're inundated with Star Wars comics and new novels, and not all of them have been great, and that can sometimes hurt the brand. But right now, I'm just swimming around in the joy that it is being a Star Wars fan in 2015. What a great year to be a Star Wars fan. Yeah, well, I cannot wait. Cannot wait. <laughs> I know, same here. I don't know, um, it's a little bit confusing, though, because even when I was a kid, like, you know, there's so many um, stuff that are canon with comics and books and cartoons, and it's like, you know, if you're just like a, a, a regular fan, it's like, I guess you really don't need to know the backstory, but, you know, I guess if you've seen The Return right. of the Jedi and you watch The Force Awakens, I hope there's some kind of, like, you know, I'm sure, like, if a casual Star Wars fan will watch it, I'm sure they would, they would get it, but do you feel that we have so much canon that it's not necessarily, especially for like video game canon and comic book canon. Like, what's your what's your take of all this canon stuff? Well, you know, I just mentioned I just right before I got on the air with you, I recorded my Spotlight Star Wars for this week. Uh, came in a little late, but um, um, I'll tell you, um, it's a little bit much for me. I, I, again, overall, I, I don't want to sound negative. I enjoyed what's going on greatly. It's a great mm-hmm. time to be a Star Wars fan, but. But I just talked about it on Spotlight Star Wars. That, that comic book, or that coloring book, excuse me, the coloring book that came out was canon. What? And it revealed, it revealed two characters that are coming up in Force Awakens in a coloring book. And it, to me, it just was, that kind of starts getting a little bit much for me. Um, can the casual fans still enjoy the Force Awakens? Yeah, I'm sure they can. I'm sure they will. That, that can be a problem. Uh, Disney's not dumb enough to make it that you have to read all these things to enjoy the movie or understand the movie. But, um, you know, I, I, I sometimes, sometimes wonder if, uh, if it's, if it's too much. I sometimes wonder, but I, we'll see. I think that they're doing what they had to do. All right. And my final question for you, Ken, what would Ken Knapsack of today tell the Ken Knapsack of yesterday? Wow, that's a great question, man. And... I'll tell you why it's a great question in reverse. Is sometimes when I'm down at my job or I'm stressed at my job or when I was stuck at that day job, um, uh, wondering if I was ever going to get out of it, I was still doing amazing things. I was I was getting to be in a wrestling match. I was uh, meeting Roddy Piper, doing all these cool things. And I would tell myself, stop complaining. What would your 14-year-old self think about this? <laughs> so... Uh, to your question, what would I tell my uh, my younger self, my older self, is work harder earlier. Mm. Um, I had a I had a radio show at twenty. I was at the top of uh, the business there locally. Uh, I mean, I fast and I get better. But I had I had a great show, and I kind of like Yoda said. I again Yoda Yoda the loop. A lot of life lessons in that Empire Strikes Back sequence. Um, I. I was not focused on where I was, and I was always off daydreaming about, uh, oh, I should be on Center at Live, or, oh, I should win an Oscar for screenplay. And I didn't put the time in to make those dreams come true, and I didn't focus on what I was working on at, at the time. And that hurt me for about 10 years after I got to L.A. It wasn't until I got to my early 30s uh, that I realized that, uh, yes, you can, you can play and have fun and, and all those good things, but... 
that's not, and I wasn't a wild, wild child or anything, but just, you know, if, if, if it was sit down and write or play video games for three hours, I'd choose the video game. <laughs> and, yeah. and look, that's human nature, but if I could tell my young self it, it would be buckle down now in your early 20s, and you're going to get what you want a lot sooner. Um, and that would be my lesson to myself and to everyone else. It's still a lesson. Yeah. I mean, it's a constant lesson. So basically work hard and then work harder now and then play play harder later, I guess, right? Basically. Well, yeah, yeah you know why? Because when you're growing up, especially in your 20s, you think, you know, you think, uh, you think 35 is old. Uh, I'm coming up on 40 and I'm probably in the best health and shape I've been in my whole life and um, I'm, I'm working a job I love and, and, I got a lot of time left, and, and when you're young, you kind of, let me do this now, let me be crazy now, let me play my video games now, because, you know, when I'm 35, I'll be old and decrepit and have a wife and kid. Well, you know, it's not as old as, your 30s are a great time, and your 40s, I'm, I'm looking forward to those, actually, so I'm not afraid of that number. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, buckle down, children. Buckle down. <laughs> also, I just wanted to tell you, respect the beard. Do not take out the beard. <laughs> well, it came off. What? It's coming back. Don't, don't worry. Oh. It's coming back. It came off in a bizarre beard trimming accident. Oh. Um, oh. Uh, I've been shaving I've been shaving since I was like 12, 13 years old. I'm 39 <laughs> now. And I had one of my one of my first accidents where I trimmed something wrong and I, and I had to take it all off. Yeah, that that is the worst. Like, because I know I remember that happened to me. It's like it's like you like screw Hades, and then you just want to take it all <laughs> off because you messed it up. You know. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Uh, thank thank you very much, Ken. Um, plug your social media, plug your shows. Absolutely, man. You can find me at Ken Napsok, N A P C O K. That is across all social media platforms uh, that I'm on: Instagram, Twitter, Periscope. I think I'm still on Vine, but I don't really use it. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's a Facebook fan page. You can find me on there. And then, yeah, the Napsock Files podcast feed. You can find uh, all the shows I do there on uh, Stitcher and iTunes and Podomatic. And uh, I'm over there, Chmo's No Spill, and uh, more stuff coming on Screen Junkies. I'm not on air Screen Junkies, uh, but I uh, will. You start seeing my face good enough. So that's what I do, man. And, uh, and reach out. And hashtag Spotlight Star Wars if you want to talk Star Wars with me. Uh, pleasure, Ken, having you on the show, man. This was really fun, man. I hope we could definitely talk again. So thank Absolutely. you very much. And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one.